Chapter 7 Change Pace She wanted to scream out into the night when she heard boots crunching into the gravel. Enough. Enough. Finn and Rose repeated their previous offer, but Ray waved it off, too shaky to deal with the proximity to another person for the night. She instead slept with a gun. This would have been a good time to think things over, plan that last route, get herself out of this. She was too tired to think anymore, too tired to sleep. Ray sat up quickly at the sound of footsteps, clunking her head hard against the underside of the wagon. She cursed then, and regretted, in her anger, having been so flippant Rose and Finn's offer to have her sleep in their wagon again. Being alone sometimes meant that there was no one to judge what you let happen to yourself. She could feel a bump rising above her eyebrow as she scrambled out from underneath the wagon, her husband's pistol in her hand, and she twisted through cold night as as though sinking through it. She found the source of the noise. There was just enough moonlight to see it. Ben Solo. No lantern. Swalling at the sight of the gun in her hand. What do you want? She growled, her hair falling over one shoulder. You were, you were sleeping alone out here, he said carefully, as though she was being unreasonable. Her face scrunched up with frustration. She had half a mind just to pull the damn trigger and figure out why he hit the ground, figure out why after he hit the ground. He sparked impulsivity in her. Maybe that was the reason enough he was better off dead. Chicken on your horse? She listened to his footsteps, and they sounded the same as always. She had thought they were slow and prowling. Now, they just sounded cautious as he backed away slowly. Maybe he still thought she'd used that pistol. She didn't have the evidence for reason to. Yet. But she lowered the gun for quicker gathering. He sighed. There was a motion around his chest. She realized his hands were up, but he had lowered them in relief. I just wanted to know if you were all right. The gun weighed heavy in her hand, her arms swinging with the hanging weight of it by her hip. Fine time to come and ask. He turned as if to leave. I'll leave you to rest. You do this every night. It echoed through camp, not loud enough to wake anybody, though it wouldn't be hard to if she wanted, but enough that if anyone was awake at this hour, they would hear it. He hissed at her to be silent, but from ten feet away, it was hard to accomplish the control to when she was armed, alert, and pissed. He pivoted back to face Ray, features wide and caught looking at at the lack of curiosity in her question. Even the moonlight could show that. He swallowed. Yes, I do. Why? Her assertion before was strong. This was much more fragile. It was a whisper between them. Because if he were doing it for a bad reason, it would be obvious, and any other reason she could not understand. Because you were alone, he said quietly. The silence that followed roared in her flushed ears. 
She was thinking so hard that the bump on her head began to actively throb. She was glad she couldn't make out the subtleties in his expression, because it meant he could not perceive hers in the darkness. She just knew his eyes were on hers in the moonlight. So are you, she pointed out. There was a quiet hum in response. They knew why it was different for her, but he couldn't pretend that she was his equal like a father pretended his daughter was a princess. She would dress up in dead Nima's clothes to play the game. He would oblige her, broken toy that she was. Pity, but it meant she could speak for, to him frankly. Why did you choose to go west? He swallowed. Financial reasons? Gold chaser. They got the scent of it and assumed their lives were better, left to uncertainty, no tenacity, no real grit. Strength was staying on your claim until your life and the life of your crops died as one. Ray believed in honor. But she had chased that dream, that same dream in Ben. That he was to be mined like rich California ore. Her choice motivated by survival and a conniving mind that made her as mean as a rat snake and unkillable as a well-fed fire. And yours? She sighed. I did not choose to go west, Mr. Solo. My choice was not the, the assumption of his. He gave this a, a moment of thought. And you cannot return home? You said there was no one to represent you in a marriage proposal, but is there any way at all? Everything was sold. It's gone. She crossed her arms and tried not to think about the farm she had quite liked. She could have died there, waiting for it to be green again. Uh, of course. He sounded embarrassed. That husband of yours... Mrs. Nima, by all means despise me for saying it, but someone should sit on your behalf. I'm very glad that he is dead. Ray took a shuddery breath and tilted her head back. You can say. Should I go one further? Do not dare. She found her upon her lips an impossible smile. Small, but capable of being fed to grow. But she hardened her voice when she remembered why she was awake, why she was talking to him, why he knew enough, enough about Nima to hate him so thoroughly. But even he would find you lurking round his wood at widow at night, scaring the life out of her, well worth tanning your hide for. And I'd agree. You heard me? She heard him clear his throat, then hum, as if something clicked to make sense. You thought... Haven't been sleeping well, now that you ask. Her, she rested her shoulders against her wagon. It was hers now. She hadn't grasped that fully, so eager to hand the reins off to the next driver. I keep hearing the strangest noises, and I thought someone was going to... That was not my intention. He rushed it out, panicked. Then what exactly was your intention? I'm sorry. I'm plainly aware of my stupidity now. I'm, I'm very sorry. Making your intentions clear would have solved that. 
She felt harsh to overcorrect, but she had been a schoolteacher and a farmer's wife and a seamstress when money was tight. He rested his shoulder on the wagon, leaning next to her, facing her. She was only in a nightdress, but it was dark. It was an allowance she would make her for herself. She was hardly a virgin. And you make yours too clear, Mrs. Nima, if I may be bold enough to reply. She shrugged. If I were a man, you'd have shaken my hand and thanked me for the deal I cut you. You have been keen on making me regret that past few, the past few days. I am sorry. I had intended to see to it that you were all right after a distressing week. Well, I am not all right, she informed him. You scared me. I hit my damn head on the bot wagon bed. I'm sorry, he said again, more quietly. Then she felt fingers curl under her chin. She couldn't even see them move to touch her, so the feeling of breath on her face, the obvious way he was leaning close, made him pretend to look at her injury all the more bizarre. Where? Above my brow, she said, her body feeling sleepy. One finger brushed her temple and then gently moved up over her eyebrow. Other one, she told him instead of pulling away. Why was her tone sulky? Ah, uh, do you pity me? For some reason, that made her chest ache to ask. No one knew. No one ever knew before him, or pretended not to know. No one ever admitted they knew, so plain in her eyes that this is what she bore. It made her skittish, yet drawn to him as if for warmth and the gun at her side was for strength. Hmm. The pad of his thumb came to rest on her opposite temple, sweeping up until it met the heated, throbbing skin. You are going to have a bump in the morning. I know that. She grumbled at him. I do not pity you. He kept his tone clinical, which she appreciated. But in your condition, I would feel safer knowing you were protected. You do now. She kept her tone very light. You have seen your own eyes as proof to know what that I sleep with a gun. But he ignored her to brush his thumb over the swelling. It felt unreal. Yet every reason, most of all and most respected by her, was pride to hate her. But mere hours after their negotiation sank like a stone... He was touching her brow with the tenderness of a mother. He thought she was mis a mistreated horse. He liked pathetic things. He had clearly enjoyed making her feel pathetic for days. But she felt warm. She, her eyes fluttered shut, the sting and the softness melding so completely that she didn't know whether to whimper or sigh. His thumb on her bruise hurt, the right kind of good reawakening the rupture of bad. These things had a way of canceling each other out. Am I sleepwalking? She finally murmured, and she heard him grunt in agreement from above her. Yes, Mrs. Nima. 
I didn't think I should wake you. It'd be best if you go back to bed. Oh, dude, things are getting better. Oh my god, bye.